What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to and supporting Picture Lock. I absolutely love film, as you know, and have given my life to studying the medium. As a filmmaker, I understand what it takes to make a film from its inception to the big screen. As a critic, I've been able to see the business of film from the marketing side of things. And as a film festival director, I've been able to see the distribution side, but more importantly, the enormous amount of talented filmmakers out there creating and crafting stories from their heart. And that's why I've started Picture Lock PR. If you're a filmmaker or producer looking to engage audiences and create relevance around your latest or upcoming project, head over to PictureLockPR.com. We can help you with your film's publicity from pre to post-production. Get more information and see the clients we've helped in the past at PictureLockPR.com. PictureLock PR. Finally, a partner as passionate as you. It's Picture Lock on WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. Welcome to another episode of the world-famous, award-winning show. I'm your host, Kevin Sampson, filmmaker, film festival director, film critic, film publicist, and lover of film and TV. You can find movie reviews, all the back episodes, and so much more at PictureLockShow.com. Filmmakers, be sure to get your films into the DC Black Film Festival as we're still in the regular call for entries period until the end of this month. You can head over to dcbff.org for more information. And I can tell you firsthand that you'll want to be a part of this year's showcase and we're cooking up something great for you. So dcbff.org, get over there as soon as possible. Today on the show, I'm talking with Patrick Shepard, the Associate Director of the Cleveland International Film Festival, about what we can expect to see at this year's festival. The fest takes place March 27th through April 7th, and I have a feeling you'll want to put it on your radar after hearing this interview. I also talk with Sarah Zandier, the writer-director of Simple Wedding. We talk about how her mixed heritage influences the film she makes and how it makes a universal impact for film viewers. Plus, I got your Picture Lock question of the week answers from last week. And that's all ahead on Picture Lock. Hi, everyone. My name is Vivi Nguyen. I am the co-writer, producer, and actress of Starbucks Lovers, and you are listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I am Kevin Sampson, and the Cleveland International Film Festival promotes artistically and culturally significant film arts through education and exhibition to enrich the life of the community. The 2019 festival is taking place March 27th through April 7th, and I have the associate director, Patrick Shepard, on the line with me. Patrick, welcome to Picture Lock. Hey, Kevin. Thank you. Glad to be on. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm glad to have you on. Patrick, the first question that I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Oh, gosh. I mean, I, I, mean, I fell in love with film as a little kid going to uh, the small movie theater that was eight miles from my house. Uh, so, you know, I just remember my parents always taking me up there uh, as often as, as we could afford to do it. Uh, and uh, that love just evolved over time. Uh, I actually uh, was, was new to the film festival world when I started working in it. Uh, back in 1998, I had a friend of a friend who was basically looking for somebody to do the, the job at lowest on the totem pole of the, uh, of the festival seasonal staff. And 
And, and I jumped at it, and, <laughs> and I'm so glad I did because it changed the trajectory of my life. Uh, I worked the festival for three years seasonally, and then I was brought on full-time in 2001. So this will be my 21st festival this year. Wow. This is your 21st Cleveland International Film Festival. Yes, sir. Wow, that is incredible. Okay, so you know uh, you're the young kid is going to the to the uh, movie theater eight miles away from your house. That's 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 a good memory. I could definitely see that. Um, if you could just kind of tell us a little bit of how you got into the role. I know you just kind of mentioned that, but how did you stumble into associate director, and what all does that entail? Yeah, I mean, I, I was just very lucky that I, I volunteered for a lot of things throughout the 90s, and, and it was just one of the people that, that I volunteered for uh, thought of me when the, when the job became available. And, you know, I, I think it was one of those things that I just, the, the minute I was put in the role, I just tried to be as indispensable as possible so they'd want to keep me around, and, and they just kept finding more and more Work and I, you know, I had a full time job. I was working for the American Red Cross. I did that through most of the nineties. Um, but then, when the opportunity to join full time in two thousand one came, I, I, I jumped at it. I was development director at the time, and you know, my my role even to this day is primarily fundraising. We have to raise about three point two million dollars a year uh, to present the festival. Um, and uh, that's a mix of corporate, foundation, government, individual donations, and the like. Uh, and that is really the scope of my work. I mean, I also do a lot with community engagement. Uh, we oversee a program that connects with 161 nonprofit organizations this year that are connected to various films in the festival. So I, I, I like to keep my hand in that as well because it helps broaden our reach. What? Wow, I, my eyes are still big from 3.2 million per year. That is incredible. So, uh, ladies and gentlemen, once again, I'm talking with the associate director of the Cleveland International Film Festival, Patrick Shepard. Patrick, uh, I do want to go straight into this film festival. If you could, obviously, it's a, a good week and a half long. Give us a broad overview of the film festival, maybe a little bit of its history and how you guys serve the community. All right, that's that's a great question, and I'll I'll give you an overview of the 43rd Cleveland International Film Festival. At the top here, uh, we open on Wednesday, March 27th, uh, with a film called The Etruscan Smile from the United Kingdom, uh, and we're fortunate to do that in the Connor Palace at Playhouse Square. Playhouse Square is one of the largest performing arts districts in the country. In fact, what I'm told is it's number two behind. Lincoln Center in New York City in terms of uh, capacity and depth. Mm. Uh, but our home, our hub, is Tower City Center, which is the old Cleveland Union Terminal train station. And there's actually a, a, a 10 theater cineplex that's still uh, in, that, in that complex. And uh, following opening night, that next morning on March 28th, we're going to kick off uh, 11 days of 500 screenings that'll take place uh, starting, you know, typically around 9.15 in the morning. Most days we're going to wrap up around midnight. Uh, Fridays and Saturdays we have late night screenings that start, you know, 11.30, 11.45-ish. Uh, but on any given day, you've got about, you've got a minimum of 40 options of screenings to see 
Um, and it's all in that one place. We, we believe that we're the largest film festival in the world under one roof. Uh, we, I mean, I, I, I can't completely give you scientific verified fact on that, but we've not, <laughs> not seen anything to contradict it yet. So we're, we're going with it. And, and, and what's great about that is it's just the energy, the excitement, the enthusiasm that's all in that one place. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we actually take over uh, many other spaces in that old train station uh, for hospitality headquarters, for volunteer headquarters, for a media hub, uh, for a, a chat room for extended talkbacks and the like. So it's just such a great place to have a film festival. And we've had attendance top 100,000 for the last four years. Really? Wow. It's huge. Mm-hmm. Well, and you, you said it in your question about our community. We really do this for our community. We're not a market festival. You won't see a red carpet at Cleveland. Uh, as far as we go is like a step and repeat, but that's basically it. Because uh, to us, all of our celebrities are our filmmakers and our patrons. And, uh, and everybody's on the same level. Uh, and uh, we, we do everything we can to make the festival as accessible for our community and our filmmakers as possible. That you know, uh, one I'm I'm still kind of getting over these numbers and how you must deal with like the people and coming through and it just it seems as though you know Cleveland uh, is definitely bustling during your festival and so I, I guess I'm, and I want to get back to to the films and what folks can kind of expect to see but um, you know for those of us who maybe haven't been to Cleveland or when we think about uh, Cleveland we think about LeBron. James, right? Like, what makes uh, what makes the festival experience? Because you know, every film festival kind of takes on a certain personality, and so you know, what's the experience of coming to the Cleveland International Film Festival? Well, I mean, I, I, I we always like to say that there's a little bit in this festival for everyone because we've got sidebars and awards and competitions that really address uh, anybody's interests from all sorts of different walks of life. Um, And uh, uh, just going back to the venue, the venue is part of what makes it all special because it's, it's like a family reunion for many people. They don't see each other for a year, but for those 12 days, uh, they're standing in line together, kind of talking about what they're planning to see. They're, they're reviewing what they they've already seen. And just because, uh, of, of the density, it, it's just uh, it, it's a pretty extraordinary experience. We're, we're, we're very fortunate that, that it takes place in the, the heart of downtown Cleveland. I mentioned earlier that it's in a train station. It's the hub of commuter rail for the, the region, so people can take a train straight from the airport or from different sides of the city to come in uh, to the festival without having to drive. Um, and it's, it's just a very... Uh, 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 vibrant downtown. We're on the we're on the doorstep of Public Square, which is a newly renovated public space. Of course, many people know Cleveland for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. We're very proud of that. We see a lot of people, a lot of guest filmmakers uh, that it's their first time in Cleveland. They want to go check out the Rock Hall. So uh, we we just try to throw out the Midwest hospitality that we can, and uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, we we feel that a lot of people appreciate that. So we just keep it going. Most definitely. Folks, March 27th through April 7th 
you can check out the Cleveland International Film Festival. I'm talking with the associate director of the Cleveland International Film Festival, Patrick Shepard. Patrick, if you could, uh, you know, it's a, a week and a half long festival. I know for me as a film critic, uh, when I go to film festivals and I'm covering for press and, you know, trying to catch different events, sometimes it can be a bit overwhelming. And so I want to ask this question and then we'll go into maybe some of the highlights of films that people can expect to check out. But how would you suggest people digest the fest? Like how how do you um, tackle, you know, your schedule when it comes to CIFF? Yeah, that's uh, that's a great question. I mean, there are 211 feature films uh, as we're talking right now. There might be a couple late editions uh, uh, that'll be added on the website before too long. Wow. Uh, in addition to those 211 features, we'll have 237 shorts. We'll have 50, 15 virtual reality projects and three interactive media projects in our perspectives exhibition space, which is another. Uh, use space not at the cinemas but in the in the Tower City Center train station and all of those uh, projects and films are from 71 countries so it is sensory overload when you get our 200 plus page <laughs> festival program guide in your hands right. or if you're surfing our website at clevelandfilm.org so really one of the best ways is to sort uh, through those sidebars and awards and competitions if you're a big music fan you should check out our music movies competition if you're uh somebody who uh cares about social justice we've got what we call the greg gund memorial standing up film competition those are that's an award that's an audience based vote to determine the winner of the the most popular social justice film in that festival sidebars we've got almost anything you could Im uh, imagine of course uh you know sidebars include cinema and espanol African Diaspora, Jewish and Israeli Visions, Watch Out, which is LGBT, uh, Film is Art. Uh, we've got a, a, what we're calling Strangers in a Strange Land because there's so many refugee documentaries this year. Uh, so that's, that's a new sidebar for us. So it, it just, it's really sorting through those sidebars and awards and competitions uh, is what we always recommend first. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so basically, like any other film festival, it's kind of like, you know, what do you want to see? What do you enjoy? And you do have it on the website, as you said, clevelandfilm.org. You can see special programs, and it has the sidebars and the program guide. So it's definitely laid out for you folks. Um, Patrick, as we kind of wrap up here, you know, what are some of the films that you and the staff are really jazzed about or, you know, some highlights that you think uh, my audience should know about well uh i mean i'm not a programmer i'm a fundraiser so i have seen comparatively few uh overall but i will say that one that i saw at sundance that has a strong ohio tie is called america's factory and it's directed by two academy award nominated directors from dayton ohio uh julia reichert stephen bognar and it's about an idle general motors factory in the dayton area where a, giant, a Chinese billionaire uh, brings an entire team of his people from China and starts up a glassmaking uh, glass factory. And it's an interesting all-access experience on the factory floors and the meeting rooms. Uh, and you see kind of some, some issues that, that they begin to face between the Chinese and, and, and the Americans. And uh, 
it's just a, it's a fascinating film. It's not every year we get to screen uh, documentaries from Stephen and Julia, but they are prolific and very well-known filmmakers in this region, and uh, uh, we're thrilled to have them back. And it looks like they're going to bring a bunch of the factory workers to engage the audiences along with themselves uh, the first weekend of the festival. So we're, we're, we're very excited about that one. Uh, and there are, of course, many others. Documentaries are very popular at our festival. In fact, we end up having to create other awards. So films that aren't documentaries can win. Uh, our audience just uh, always, always, always loves documentaries. So uh, you'll, you'll see a lot of those in the program for the 43rd Cleveland International Film Festival. That's pretty awesome. So, uh, Patrick, if uh, folks want to find out more follow you guys on social media. How can they do that? Yeah, website, clevelandfilm.org. Uh, we do have a robust social media presence on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. encourage you to follow all of those channels, and uh, we welcome everybody to Cleveland. We want to show off uh, what we feel is, is for, for our community, the newest and best films from around the world, and uh, we help our audience learn something Along the way, it's those, it's those two pillars of the mission statement that you shared at the top. It's exhibition and education. Associate Director of the Cleveland International Film Festival, Patrick Shepard, thanks so much for coming on Picture Lock. Hey, thank you for the opportunity. Let's take a quick break for promo. Stay tuned. What if you could have a film critic, film festival director, film publicist, and fellow filmmaker guide you with your film's PR and marketing journey from pre-production to post? I'm Kevin Sampson, and my online course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker, does just that. In this course, I'm going to teach you how to set up your film to engage an audience and build a community long before you call action. I'll show you how to approach critics to make them aware of your film like publicists do, and as a director of two film festivals, I won't just teach you hacks and secrets to reduce entry fees, but how you can use the festival circuit to create buzz around your film. I'm a huge supporter of diverse storytelling and film, and I believe the most unique voices come from indie filmmakers. That's who I've supported over the years with my show, Picture Lock, whether on TV or on radio. With as much experience as I've had as an independent filmmaker myself, critic, publicist, and festival director, I realized that most indie filmmakers just need access to the knowledge that big firms provide to achieve success. So in this course, I'm going to demystify some of the process and give you everything I know in a behind-the-scenes look at the sides of the business you don't always see. So if you're an indie filmmaker that's looking to change the game with your film's PR and marketing, make sure you check out PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Head on over to PRForTheIndieFilmmaker.com and get a free preview of the course, PR for the Indie Filmmaker. Get your film seen, build community, and become an army of one. Picture lock question of the week last week. What's wrong with the Hollywood elite and wealthy people paying for their kids to get into college? On Facebook, Jordan Manigo said, I will say that I think the focus on these two actresses and not the group as a whole, a mix of individuals of varying professions, could skew the perspective in a way that makes people, especially conservatives and or Fox News supporters, think that this was just a problem with liberal elite. 
and not with the wealthy families across the board. Carmen Shamwell said, there's nothing wrong with a wealthy person donating money to the school and the school admitting their child to the school. It happened all the time and it's been happening and it's going to keep happening. The child applies just like everyone else and the admissions office makes the decision based on the application packet, even if the grade slash score are low, whatever. The school gets a new building, some upgrades, etc. It's on an individual basis, but admitting one kid for a university upgrade is a fair trade. Honestly, who cares? This situation, all this was purposely fraudulent and the school never gets their cut in the process, individuals do. No new computers, no new facility upgrade, no new building, just a bunch of false information that line the pockets of some greedy individuals. Michelle Alexandria said, problem is the hypocrisy. The idea that white people have their jobs and spots in college through merits, but that one black student stole the spot from some deserving white person when we've always known far more rich white people have had their own brand of affirmative action for years that's never talked about. This just shines a light on it. Well, folks, I definitely thank you for chiming in on that kind of controversial, in a sense, uh, topic. Uh, always appreciate the call-ins. Always appreciate you guys just giving your opinion on social media obviously it is totally wrong um, an issue that has gone on for a long time uh, it, it, sometimes like you know what's done in the dark does come to light and so i do think that it is good that justice is being served it's unfortunate for the people that really worked hard to try to get into those schools and they weren't able to because unfortunately someone paid for someone else to be in their place Picture lot question of the week this week. What did you think of Jordan Peele's new film, Us? Leave me a message, 60 seconds or less on the film and your thoughts on it, and I'll play it during next week's show. Call 202-350-1351. I can't wait to hear your comments because I've got tons. Like, I have been waiting for you guys to see this film because I could just geek out on some of this stuff. But you can always let me know on social media or email me at picturelockshow at gmail.com and I'll read your answer next episode. Hey everyone, this is Brad Forder. I'm Director of Programming uh, with the Environmental Film Festival in the nation's capital and you're listening to Picture Lock. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson and cultures clash and families collide when an Iranian woman finds love with an eccentric bisexual artist in the film Simple Wedding. I have the film's writer-director Sarah Zandia on the line with me. Sarah, welcome to Picture Lock. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Sarah, it's my pleasure. The first question I always start out with, when did you first fall in love with film? Ooh, I mean, I was always a film lover. Um, and I loved, I mean, I grew up in a family of storytellers, so I knew, I always knew I wanted to tell stories. And I started off in journalism, um, making documentaries. And then I, I started uh, doing some reports about narrative filmmakers, and I realized that that's what I wanted to, to do. Um, and there were so, you know, and my taste is very eclectic. Like, I loved A Taste of Cherry by Abbas Karasami, which is a very poetic, slow film. But then I also love, you know, like, 
Bridesmaids and Trainwreck and these really sort of broad American comedies. So I have a very, I think because I'm Iranian and American, I have these sort of two sides to my personality. So I just yeah. love stories and I love um, particularly ones that, you know, move people emotionally, whether it's through laughter or, you know, some kind of emotional, personal experience that's shared that people can connect to. Yeah, you know, I think that's awesome, Sarah, because I love it's always better when you have kind of like that eclectic taste, because that means that, you know, your filmmaking is that much more personal and it's going to have your own stamp on it. And so mm -hmm. I, I'm really interested, like just in terms of your line into becoming uh, the director, writer, director that you are now, like how did you break into the industry? Did you go to school for uh, film and things like that? Um, give us your backstory. Yeah, I applied to, I went to film school. I went to Columbia University's School of Arts where I, um, I got an MFA in film directing. And um, so on, while I was in a, a film student, I made four short films. Um, and the first one went to Tribeca, and I, I won an award there. And um, I went and I went on to, like, I did another one that went to Telluride. So I just learned really how to make films and, and tell stories through uh, short filmmaking under the umbrella of, of film school at Columbia. Um, and then, uh, you know, after I graduated, I felt I had built enough muscle to, to go on and make the first feature. You're listening to Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with writer-director Sarah Zandia of Simple Wedding. Sarah, if you could, in your own words, what is the film all about? It's about um, a young Iranian-American woman sort of navigating the trials of love and family and tradition. Um, so it's very much about a first-generation American woman just trying to find love um, and with all the complexities of being a part of two different cultures and trying to adhere to two value systems. And so it's a very like modern-day love story that I think a lot of people can relate to. Um, and ultimately, it's, it, it is a story about marriage and love and you know, what it takes to make it work in the complexities of the modern world with all this multiculturalism and, and diversity and, and, you know, interacting with all different kinds of people. So um, it's, it's just, I think a lot of people will, will relate to it. I think it's very accessible and it's multi-generational as well as multicultural. So um, there's a storyline that is um, about an older woman finding love as well. So it, it, it's just really about love family, and tradition. So why did you find it important to tell this multicultural, kind of intersectional story um, mm -hmm. about love? Like, what sparked the writing for you and wanting to tell this story? It's very personal, and I just wanted it to be my experience reflected. I wanted to represent my experience. Because um, I don't see, you know, there, there's so many different, there's so many romantic comedies. Um, it's such an established genre. But I haven't seen these particular characters confronting these particular problems in this genre. So I wanted to expand the genre um, to introduce it to some new characters and new politics. 
So uh, I guess one question that I'm thinking, um, thus far, you know, have you been able to have any audience uh, feedback on the film? Yeah, I, right now I'm on the festival circuit. I just got back from the Palm Springs International Film Festival and we had a really great reception. And our theatrical release is going to be this year in 2019. Um, but in the film festivals, it's, we always have a sold-out crowd because I think uh, we are sort of, there's very few light movies at film festivals. So I think uh, festival goers come to see our movie to sort of take a break from the heavier stuff that they're seeing at the festival. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they take it as a kind of breather um, because it is a very light and funny movie. Um, it is confronting, you know, some social and political issues. But it, at the end of the day, it is still a romantic comedy that is very light and easy to watch and digest. Um, and, I mean, I, it's been a really great reception. People really enjoy it, and I think they, they're really delighted by it. Um, my favorite... Like my favorite uh, feedback is is just when people connect to it in their own emotional so with their own emotional associations, but they aren't necessarily Iranian. Like I had this um, couple at the San Diego Film Festival who was the girl was Ethiopian and her husband was Mexican, and he, and they came up to me and they're like, "Oh my God, this is so much like our family and our wedding and our you know when we had to bring our families together, there was so much cultural clash and." Um, we connected to this story and these characters so much. Um, so that's my favorite feedback is when people um, connect to it um, and it, it transcends to, into their cultures. Because um, it just, I love that. I love that it's, it's like, so, you know, modern people living in like, you know, these urban centers where we're all intersecting and, and mixing, um, I think they can really relate to it. So that's been really awesome. Yeah, it's Picture Lock. I'm Kevin Sampson. I'm talking with writer-director of Simple Wedding, Sarah Zandier. Uh, Sarah, if you could, like, one of, the thing that I, one of the things that I'm hearing you say as you're speaking is how, and, and I've heard this said plenty of times before, where when you write from a very selfish, um, kind of, like, self-centered perspective in terms of telling your own story, right? It's a very specific story it actually is more universal because um, people can f can relate to it. So as you said, just kind of like um, marriage, when two families come together, right? Everybody can understand, like, <laughs> there's a reason that there, there's those jokes about the in-laws and, like, how you don't like going over to the in-law because, like, people can relate to that, and that's, like, kind of old as time. So if you could, as we kind of close out here, just in terms of, like, writing uh, a film like this and, and, and telling that personal story, like what advice would you have um, for filmmakers as you see, you know, kind of this story that is, is personal, as you said, but it's actually very universal? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's, it's so interesting how the more specific and personal you write, the more universal it becomes. Um, and, you know, that's something I learned in film school, too, because, you know, our, my professors were always teaching us to, and the program at Columbia was very much focused on, like, a personal, um, personal stories and, um, 
being specific about your own experience. And so I've always adhered to that rule in, in everything I've made. Um, and, and maybe one day I'll branch out, but it, I just feel like you can always represent your experience honestly um, and authentically. And somehow people connect to the specificities of these experiences. Um, and I, I think it's just, I think it's the way to go. Um, and, and it's been, yeah, kind of validated through and through because um, people have everyone, you know, this like Ethiopian woman came up to me and was like, that was my grandmother. My grandmother is exactly like that grandmother. And I'm mm. like, well, that's my grandmother. So we have the same, <laughs> you know, the same kind of um, experience. So I, I don't know how that happens. It's just, I think we are all more alike than we think. I definitely agree with you on that one. And I think that's one of the amazing things about films and filmmaking is that, you know, we're able to tell these universal stories. And, you know, suddenly when the lights go out, like everybody is finally the same. Like we we respond emotionally to these stories in the same way. And so if folks want to respond emotionally to Simple Wedding, Sarah, how can they do that? How can they find out more about the film, follow you guys on social media? Yeah, social media is where, where you'll find our journey. Um, our handle is, is Simple Wedding Movie. So on Facebook, we're um, facebook.com slash Simple Wedding Movie. Same with Instagram and Twitter. Um, so um, they can follow along on, on our social media platforms. We're on the festival circuit right now. We're going to the Cleveland Film Festival next. And our theatrical release should be um, in the spring of 2009. And they can follow along on the dates and the, and the screenings on our social media platforms. Writer-director of Simple Wedding, Sarah Zandia, thank you so much for coming on Picture Lock. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. That's all for this episode. I'd like to thank my guests, Patrick Shepard and Sarah Zandier, for coming on the show. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, tune in Stitcher, Blueberry, wherever you catch your podcast, so you can catch those unlocked versions of the show, as well as the Picture Lock PR after show. If you're a fan of Alexa skills, just say, Alexa, play Picture Lock podcast, and I'll come right up. Now, I did that the other day and, you know, I was shocked because she actually announced which episode she was playing and the title. So that was pretty dope. <laughs> Feel free to leave a five-star review of the show as well. You're supporting the filmmakers and guests I have on the show by allowing more people to be exposed to the podcast. It's quick, easy, and free, and I really appreciate it. You can find Picture Lock on most social media, all social media is at Picture Lock Show. Watch back episodes of the TV show and get my movie reviews at youtube.com slash Picture Lock Show. And be sure to subscribe. If you're interested in being a guest on the show, you can fill out the form on the website. All music is done by Mike S. The Producer 13. Make sure you follow him on all things social media at Mike S. The Producer, numeral one, numeral three. Hit him up for your musical production needs. Thanks, bro. I'm Kevin Sampson, and until next time, I hope you stay locked on film.